Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait You Haven't Seen, and it's a podcast where we talk about movies, and specifically we talk about a movie that at least one of us has never seen before. Um, This is episode number 41. We're actually doing a double feature this week. It is Mickey's Christmas Carol and Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, the animated version from 1966. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. Joining me this week, I have Tyler. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for coming back. Uh, I also have joining, uh, for the first time, Rishi. Hey there. Thanks, Travis. Well, thanks for joining. Uh, So neither of you had seen either of these movies in their entirety. That's correct. Yeah, I may have seen the, uh, the the Mickey's Christmas Carol like in chunks or just, you know, years and years ago as a kid. But uh, yeah, or I might be mixing them up with all the other versions of Christmas Carol that are out there. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think, a public domain story. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a cheap one to get rights to. Um, well, that's really cool. So we're going to start with Mickey's Christmas Carol. Um, I I had seen this before. I had seen this when I was a kid. Uh, I kind of grew up with this version of it. Um, it is not my favorite version of uh, of A Christmas Carol. However, I do enjoy it quite a bit. Um, but starting with uh, Rishi, um, how did what did you think of it as a as a version of A Christmas Carol? Yeah. So the only version that I have to compare it to is the Muppets Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed this one. Maybe because I haven't really seen a lot of these classic Disney characters in a long time, I really enjoyed that whole expanded universe of uh, Disney characters in this. Um, but you know, I got to say, I think the Muppets Christmas Carol is is still the one that's number one for me. Yeah, it's it's a little bit better than this one, but but I do enjoy this quite a bit. Um, how about you, Tyler? Well, uh, you know, as someone who has not read the original work that this is based off of, I can tell you that this is a very, I, I enjoyed this one very much. Um, it One thing I liked about it is very short, you know, it was, it was just concise and like, you know, you know, bam, 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 plot point, you know, we get to each plot moment that, you know, is core to the story and then we just move on. And so, uh, you know, it trims up all the fat, um, you know, if you don't like music, you can, uh, you can watch this one and it's not as, there's not as much music as say, the Muppets they stuff in all the songs right yeah. yeah and that was the thing the the story of A Christmas Carol it's kind of a novella it's not that long so to make a feature-length film out of it um, you have to kind of pad that runtime and this is the fourth movie I've watched this month that is a version of A Christmas Carol um, I'm taking Scrooge out of it because that's a very much an adaptation um, and it's they change quite a bit to modernize it and put it in New York that's all but, Scrooge up. Yeah. Oh man, but that's such a good. That's that's such so a good, good movie. Yeah. Um. But as far as kind of straight adaptations go, this one isn't the most accurate to the story, um, or even the tone of the story necessarily. But it is closer to kind of the length of the story. Um. And it didn't have to pad things out. And they cut stuff down. They spend a lot less time with each ghost. Um. You to Tyler to your point, they do. They just kind of hit, 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 and get out. Um. The, the Muppet version, they stretched it out with songs. And the songs are great, and the songs are super catchy, uh, save for the one, The Love Is Gone, that's in the middle of it, that, interestingly enough, and we, I talked about this last week, was cut out of the Disney Plus streaming version. Um, so if you get a chance to watch it again, check, look for that, because I, I thought that was interesting. Um, but the, the, the Robert Zemeckis version that I watched at the beginning of the month, the motion-captured uh, Jim Carrey version, had either of you seen that? 
No. No. It's not bad. It's a good version. It it captures that Dickens, because um, Dickens wrote a lot of stuff that was very like dark and kind of scary, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. You know, he was a very kind of sad dude in a lot of ways. Right. But um, it it captured that tone a lot more. Um, but they padded things out with sort of the roller coaster uh, approach of, mm-hmm. hey, we're making a 3D movie and it's CG, so we're gonna have the camera flying everywhere, and it it wasn't bad but um that kind of stuff doesn't age well no no it is very much like a product of the oh we're gonna push i remember having the same thought when i was watching i rewatched beowulf like less than a year ago and i had the same thought like ooh, there's parts of this that just didn't age well at all like it's just gimmicky so you got a lot of that in there and that's what they use to pad the runtime instead of songs um but this is such a fun version of it. I think it's a really accessible version to get younger people into that story um, because the story itself is, I think, a really good, you know, it's a nice redemption story of somebody that kind of is a terrible person, but they, you know, can can get themselves redeemed in the course of a night. Um, and I love that. I love the redemption part of it. But, you know, Dickens is, A, a difficult read if you ever try to read it, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and it's not to say that it's, super difficult but it's not it's not going to read well for children I don't think um, but this is a story that I think kids can kind of relate to and, and get something out of so to frame it with Disney characters and like you said that Disney was kind of doing that whole expanded universe using all their characters and stuff uh, forever um, so I love that I love seeing Goofy and Donald and they get to oh, be yeah. they get to be themselves but they right. play the characters yep as soon as, I knew I was going to like this movie as soon as I heard Goofy's classic howl. I, I can never do it. I always try to do it in the shower. And I never. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, that is one of those that you just can't do. And I think they only recorded that like twice and just keep reusing the same tape. Because <laughs> it always sounds it identical. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wonder now. Is that the same? One yeah, we'll have, from... to, we'll have to look that up sometime. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a lot of fun. I love um, Alan Young. We we established earlier that his name is Alan Young, not Alan Ladd. Not uh, Ladd. Not Ladd. Uh, Alan Young as Scrooge McDuck or Ebenezer Scrooge in this. Uh, love him. He's great. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up watching DuckTales, so that, that whole character is just burned into my memory. Uh, between the show and then I played the hell out of the NES game, DuckTales. Oh, yeah. Um, and even though his voice isn't in that, he his voice is in the remastered version. Um, yep. And he's great. So having him in there, uh, always always fun to watch. And I know I gave you guys this bit of trivia earlier, but um, he was Wilbur in Mr. Ed. So mm. he was the human uh, half of Mr. Ed. And uh, I don't, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people know that, um, but that is an interesting little bit of trivia that I always I always like. He was 96 years old when he finally passed away. He lived a long, long life. That's crazy. Yeah. And he was working right up until then, too. I mean, he was doing, Alan Young was doing work, doing voice work as Scrooge right up until like 2016, 2015 uh, when he passed away. He died on the mic, folks. Probably. (laughs) Hey, you know what? More power to him if he did. The the howl was actually <laughs> <dying>. <laughs> Oh, that would be great if he did the goofy howl. <laughs> that would be so awesome. 
Yes, Spartacus. They do have a remastered version of the DuckTales video game. Um, I think it's on Steam. I know I saw it on the PS4 uh, at one point, but it's totally worth playing if you like that at all. Oh, the catchiest theme song ever. Now, all you had to do was sing that little bit. It's now in my (laughs) head. It's going to be in there for the next three days, so thanks. You're welcome, Travis. Yeah, I appreciate that. Anytime anyone says DuckTales in my head, I'm just like, woo. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, have you? Uh, have either of you watched the newer version? No, no. I hear it's good though. Yeah, I've only seen a little bit of it, but it's really good. Uh, they got David Tennant to do Scrooge, so immediately I like it, right? Because it's David Tennant, and he's he can do no wrong in my mind. So good. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he uh, it's it's good. I want to watch the rest of it. It's it's very much um, a product of now, like animation style and sort of the mm-hmm. the tone. Um, the, the pacing of it is much more, um, you know, you can tell that it's a 20, I think it was 2015 they started it or something. So it's definitely a 2010s uh, version of it. Um, but it's really good. It's got that kind of Disney XD feel to it, if you ever watch any of those. Okay. Definitely worth a watch, though. Um, but, yeah, Alan Young as Scrooge. You had uh, all the different actors uh, doing their Disney voices, and I do love that. That, that really adds an extra layer to this and makes it um, that much better to have those little pieces because, you know, the ghost of Christmas future in the book and in every other adaptation of this doesn't speak. He just points. And Mm -hmm. I I forget that sometimes because this was kind of the first version of it that I ever saw. So I always think of Pete and I always think of him uh, talking to Scrooge and, and whatnot. And of course uh, this was made in 1983. So Pete could still smoke his cigars then. Oh, yeah, yeah the, that that days. was the one thing that I noticed on the the warning for uh, Disney Plus is uh, <laughs> you know it contains tobacco use. Oh really? Oh yeah. Wow. What's These interesting? Millennials. What's interesting is they put that same warning in front of I think episodes of The Mandalorian, and I'm still trying to figure out where there there's tobacco use in that. But there's probably there's probably one slug puppet that has a hookah pipe in the yeah. very back. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there that you could go, be what yeah. it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I noticed that this time around. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot you could uh, you could have characters smoking cigars and stuff back then. So that was that was kind of fun. It's a fun version. I I enjoy it. It's it's quick. I do like Jiminy Cricket as the Ghost of Christmas Past. Yeah, um, that works really well, and he's nowhere near as frightening as the one from the Muppet movie. Um, Those ghosts, yeah, from the Muppet <laughs> yeah. movie, they just stick in my head, man. But uh, yeah, Tiny Tim is just always a mouse. I don't know <laughs> what that is. There's no. always a mouse in my head. You're not wrong. That's yeah. that is kind of the first place that my brain goes is that little mouse with his crutch. Um, even though yeah. I love the uh, I love the version of Tiny Tim with um, uh, the Muppet movie. I mean, the Muppet Christmas Carol is my favorite version of the of a Christmas Carol, uh, hands down. Like, it just has everything that I want uh, in in a movie. I love Muppet movies, and their songs yeah. are so catchy. Michael Caine was great in it. Um, Michael Caine. Yes, <laughs> but um, uh, but by the way, Travis, uh, before we skip around, uh, I did see that Christmas Carol. This is just random trivia about Christmas Carol. It, mm-hmm. I, I haven't validated this, so that that there's a caveat here. But Christmas Carol is the most adapted. Sorry, I can't say the word. Christmas Carol is the most adapted book in film and TV. Uh, I would believe that honestly. Because when I was when I decided that that would be a fun thing to do for this month is like, hey, for Christmas movies, let's just do different versions of a Christmas Carol. 
I realized how many versions there were and how many of my favorite Christmas movies are just retellings of that between Mickey's Christmas Carol, Muppets. I love Scrooge. Scrooge is one of my favorite Christmas movies. That's why we covered it a couple weeks ago. Actually, Jen was on with me talking about that. uh, because she, Yeah, the Jen. She oh, had, no, oh she, no kidding. She had never seen it before. So I got to show her that. I don't know how. I don't know how she managed to miss that one, but um that was a lot of fun. So it, it you I can believe that. Uh that it is one of the most adapted stories. Just based on I had to cut out like I didn't go for any of the old black and white uh like Alistair Sim starring oh, versions sure. or any of those. Yeah. Um at all and yet there's still so many and then you you go with like audio because uh this mickey's christmas carol i think rishi you had mentioned it was based on the audio version that disney had done correct yeah that's right i saw a bit of trivia there that um uh man i wish i had this other trivia too but this was the first animated feature in like 30 years for disney uh, at the time when they made this yeah 1983 and so they took their audio, uh, it was like an audio musical, which was called an, an adaptation of Dickens's Christmas Carol. Oh. So they uh, brought that live with live animation uh, from the hmm. musical. Oh, yeah. So there's an IMDb trivia talking about. So apparently that version was 1975. Um, and in, oh, okay. in that, the ghost of Christmas past was Merlin from The Sword in the Stone. Oh, cool! And the I love go- that. yeah, and the Ghost of Christmas Future was the Evil Witch from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Now, I personally uh, like Pete as the Ghost of Christmas Future, and I think it works um, really well, just because it's Pete, and you got to work him in there somehow. But yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen Merlin. I kind of get why they went with Jiminy, especially he's going to be uh, in '83. He would have been probably a lot more recognizable than. Um, than Merlin at that point from, from Disney's perspective. Uh, and it worked. It kind of fit the the overall tone a little bit better. But I love Merlin from Sword in the Stone. He's so much fun. Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about like characters playing themselves while also being the characters from the books. I feel like Jiminy is basically just Jiminy. And like, they didn't have to change his character at all for being the ghost. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, and and Diddy is pointing out in the chat room that A Christmas Carol is the most adapted book when you include TV and movies but um, as a whole story. But the Bible probably has more adapted stories from it. And I can see that. Yeah. Uh, it, it also has a had a little bit of a head start in terms of being around and in people's minds. Right. You know, by, I don't know, what, 1,200 years, 1,300 years or more? Give or take. Yeah. The, the no, more than that. The adaptation. Yeah. That was... Uh, it was Animated stone tablets, right? <laughs> yeah. You had to fl- yeah, flip through the stone tablets. Yeah. Ooh, boy, that would Hurts be... your fingers. Yeah, don't don't get your fingers caught in between those. <laughs> um, yeah, I love this version. It, it's not, like I said, it's not my favorite. My favorite's the Muppets. Um, give me Muppets any day. Um, but I, I grew up with Warner Brothers Animation and Muppets. I didn't grow up with Disney because back then Disney was still a pay channel. Um, it didn't just come in your cable package. It was like a Showtime or HBO. You had to pay extra for it. So we didn't have it a lot when I was growing up. Yeah. So my only uh, exposure to Disney at the time was the movies and then any specials. This would get shown on uh, TV around Christmas time every year. So that's how I got to see it. But yeah, uh, I love having the giant in there as um, as the Ghost of Christmas 
present, uh, and I still will occasionally make his quote about pe- pistachios, pezistachios, pe- pistachios, <laughs> yogurt. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. It, that's what really sets this apart, I think, for me, is it's a nice short runtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets the point across, and it's got all the characters you want to see. Oh, yeah. That was actually, and maybe that was another thing that made me like this movie, but I've been kind of thinking about rewatching like the great mouse detective and rescuers down under. And they had like, you know, all this kind of rodent and dog characters as like side characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throughout here. Yeah. The weasels, all of that. Yeah. Weasels. Those yeah. immediately, all I could think of was who framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. With those guys. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I could see going back and, and rewatching some of those old uh, animated ones, some of those lesser known uh, Disney animated ones. Great Mouse Detective is a good choice, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's a really underrated Disney film. Yeah, it is great though. It is. It, it does what it says on the tin. It's a great <laughs> Mouse Detective. Yeah. And with uh, Disney Plus, you can see all of those things. Yeah, boy, oh boy, there's a you. You, I almost get like choice paralysis when i open up disney oh, plus like seriously. unless i'm going in like all right i'm watching mandalorian um i just it, there's so much there's so much to choose from and it's like i haven't seen that in forever i go through all the marvel shows i'm like oh there's spider-man there's x-men you know the 90s cartoons that i watched and yeah it's it's almost too much but it's nice to have yeah um so that is mickey's christmas carol that's a fun one uh definitely 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 worth a watch what did you guys uh would you watch it again would you make it part of your kind of yearly christmas thing we'll start with tyler on that yeah yeah definitely i mean especially because it's so short it's not like it's a huge commitment uh yeah totally i'll be back next year for it awesome and how about you rishi yeah i think you know unless i was like showing this to kids I'm not sure that this would be the first one I'd go to, but you know, it did string, it did pull up my heartstrings, and I almost cried at the end. So there's that. Well, that's good. I mean, that's powerful. Yeah. So that definitely counts for something. Awesome. I I love showing movies to somebody for the first time uh, and having them like it. So that that makes me feel good that you guys enjoyed this movie, having never seen it before. I still, I'm really surprised that you hadn't seen this um prior to this week but hey we fixed that choice paralysis yeah thank you travis <laughs> yeah good good job travis so yeah. the other movie that i want to talk about this week um is another nice short uh holiday special uh from 1966 and it was dr seuss's how the grinch stole christmas um and it was adapted from the book uh it was adapted by chuck jones and i believe this is the first dr seuss animated thing um from the trivia that i read he wasn't interested in animating his his works but it was chuck jones that kind of got him to do it and i uh i love chuck jones animation i talked earlier about how i grew up with warner brothers animation and muppets and chuck jones for me is warner brothers animation i know there was uh i freeling there was um oh god i can't think of the other directors that they had um off the top of my head, but for me, it was always Chuck Jones. Like he, he didn't create Bugs Bunny, but he made Bugs Bunny who he was. He didn't create Daffy Duck, but he really made Daffy Duck who he was. Um, he did create Marvin the Martian. He did create Roadrunner and Coyote. Um, and I just love his animation style, and I thought it fit perfectly with the story. And then you throw Boris Karloff in there doing the voiceover. Um, so good. 
Mm-hmm. It's it, Boris Karloff is on that list of people that I would listen to read a phone book. He's just got that yeah. that voice. Um, it's got great songs in it uh, that were written. Uh, the lyrics were written by Ted Geisel, by Dr. Seuss. Um, so it is. This is unabashedly my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Uh, it's been my number one probably since I was ten years old. And uh, I remember in junior high, somebody asked me about uh, like favorite Christmas movies, and this was at the top of my list then, and it has been ever since. Uh, I just love this movie. And the the songs are sung by Tony the Tiger, uh, the You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, Thurl, Ravenscroft. Uh, so good. Is, is yeah. Possibly good old the, Possibly the greatest name ever. Um, <laughs> and he was Tony the Tiger in all those Frosted Flakes ads. He sings the You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, uh, which is another one of those songs that will get stuck in your head and not leave for like a week at a time. Oh, yeah. I, that's why I can't touch that song, even with a 38 and a half inch pole. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did have uh, the weird Mandela effect of there's parts of that song I don't remember from when I was a kid. I don't know if it was like the TV, because uh, I had it on tape from when I was, oh, geez, probably five or six years old. We had it on Betamax tape, and we recorded off of whichever station it was, probably ABC. Um, and then we re-recorded it later on VHS tape. Uh, I think I ended up buying a version of it on VHS and then DVD and, and whatnot. But I don't remember parts of the song from when I was a kid, the version that I had. Because I had it on a tape with Charlie Brown Christmas. Because back, and they would play that every year. So we would record yeah. it and then I could watch it whenever I wanted. But uh, there were like lines and bits of the song that I just don't remember. Um, the... Uh, three-decker toadstool and sauerkraut sandwich. Um, I don't remember until I had, like, a DVD copy of it. I don't know. Maybe it was just cut out for time, but doesn't it? it's better. It's more more song. More of that song is good for me. So Yeah. Some of those lyrics are just embedded in my soul because I did these. <laughs> I did this in uh, high school choir. So Oh, yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, it's just it. But for some reason, it's the 38-and-a-half-inch pole that just, like, sticks in me. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah, and for me, like, as soon as I hear it, I can picture this animation. I can picture, you know, yeah. Max holding that mirror and trying to stay upright. I can picture him with the big uh, antler on top of his head. Like, it's just, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only uh, con, by the way, I would give to this Grinch. Like, what, curmud- what curmudgeon owns a dog and isn't just a sweetheart? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> Max and Max is awesome. He's so great in this. Like, so good. Mm-hmm. That's very Chuck Jones uh, animation style. Those kind of winks at the camera. Um, yeah. There's something about him. Like, there's a shot of uh, the Grinch when he's looking at the bed of uh, kids and he's going to steal the candy canes, and just that that horrible crooked tooth smile that he gets. It's almost oh, a little yeah. creepy. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just I love I love Chuck Jones. Like he for me is one of my favorite animation people. It's that comfort food. It's that warm blanket of like mm-hmm. I can see something of his and I immediately know it's Chuck Jones. There's yeah, something like about the, his style and his timing. Yeah, and like the the little gag that uh, when he, he goes down the chimney and he's gonna steal the uh, stockings, he pulls out a magnet and pulls the each of the the nails out of the you know, out of the wood. 
And it's like that's totally from uh, Bugs Bunny, Warner oh, Brothers. Yeah. You know yeah. that that visual gag. Yep. Uh, so many of those. Uh, him going up to the giant Christmas tree in the town square and folding it up like an umbrella and <laughs> carrying it away. Yeah. Uh, like the stuff like that is so great. Um, Diddy brings up the using a candy cane or the cane as a pool cue. That was a good one. Oh yeah, that was cool. And it's it's the looks on his face. Like Max gets all excited and then he stops and he does that like side eye to the camera of "Are you kidding me? He's really doing this?" And then he looks back. Like it's th- those are Chuck Jones things that for me like that informed my humor growing up. And that's I still do that. Like in my head, I look at the camera when somebody <laughs> does something dumb, uh, you know, and I do that side eye uh, thing. Like that's just. And it's from watching so many Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies uh, that were directed by Chuck Jones growing up. Yeah. You and Jim Halpert from the Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. Which is probably why I liked him. Um, yeah. Small Town Titans. I, I saw some trivia about Chuck Jones that he was responsible because the original book is black and white. So a lot of the color that we attribute now you know, now it's just so synonymous. It's just one-to-one with, when you think of Grinch. That was all Chuck Jones, for example, the green color of Grinch. Uh, it just mere coincidence because Chuck Jones had been thinking about how all his rental cars tend to be green. So he just went with green for the Grinch. Huh. Which that which is crazy because, like, I, you know, having never, I've never seen the movie, but it just, I'm so, every time I think about the Grinch, it's in color and it's in the same color style as as this movie yeah so. and in, in fact like they went i think they went back and re-released the book in color um hmm. to have it be green I'm yeah to find, i'm like, pretty sure I, i'm pretty sure i've read the like my kids have the book and it i'm pretty sure it's in color hmm. well on books.google.com so here's oh it is black and white huh i completely forgot that because you're right i mean you think of the grinch you think of the kind of goofy furry green that's yeah. just that's just what you think of. I think it's interesting that he noticed that all his rental cars were green. <laughs> Cuz I have yeah. I have rented a fair number of cars in my life and seen a lot of rental cars and I don't think any of them have ever been green. Yeah, that's something that was just kind of that stuck with me because my wife and I have also noticed that when we rent cars, it's almost always there's a green Kia Soul that's available. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one car I think that comes in like that green color. There's there's a yeah. Kia Soul green. And I've noticed like every other Kia Soul that I see is that color. I don't know why that is. Um, yeah. I had I had one as a Uber when I was in Chicago. He's like, "Yeah, I drive a green Kia Soul." I look up and there it is and like I think the next Uber I took in a different city was also uh a green Kia Soul. Green Kia Soul. Huh. Yeah, uh, man, um, I don't really even know what else to say about about how the Grinch stole Christmas. It's just, just fun. It's it is inviting in a in a way. The humor has there's like there's physical humor to it. There's that that Doctor Seuss kind of wordplay that he would do and his his rhyming schemes and the words so that he would make up. Mm-hmm. The songs are great. Um, you've got there's basically three voices in the entire thing. It's 25 minutes long and you've got, you've got Boris Karloff, whoever the girl was that plays Cindy Lou who, who has like what, two lines. And then, and then of course the great name, Thurl Ravenscroft. (laughs) Yes. The great Thurl. The only Thurl. 
Yes, I can't think of anyone else ever named Thurl, but <laughs> I am I am one hundred percent stealing that name for an NPC in my next D and D campaign. <laughs> yeah, the the IMDb page for it actually the the cast is um, four people. Yeah, this is wild. Uh, um, there was a voice for Max. I don't remember him making any noise. Uh, uncredited. Uh, oh, oh okay. Cindy Lou Who. Okay. So, A, I'm going to see if this name rings a bell for either of you first. Uh, and then if it does, um, you might know where she was from. But um, another very well-known voice actor did Cindy Lou Who. Her name was June Foray. Hmm. Not ringing any bells. Yeah, not ringing any bells. So did either of you ever watch um, Rocky and Bowwinkle? Not really. No? Yeah, in reruns, yeah. So she was the voice of Rocky, uh, Rocky J. Squirrel. Oh, okay. Um, she'd been... Uh, she passed away in 2017. She was 99 years old. What is it with voice actors and living forever? Yeah, they're just I mean, so happy. Yeah, you got June Foray was ninety nine. Alan Young was ninety six, um, and they kept and and they can keep working. She worked right up until twenty fourteen. She did Rocky um, in a Rocky and Bullwinkle short in twenty fourteen. Um, she was Granny in all the old. Uh, um, she did a lot of Warner Brothers stuff, so I think that's part of it. She had worked with Chuck Jones a lot um, okay. as like the female characters. The the thing with the Warner Brothers, all the Looney Tunes was Mel Blanc was the only one ever credited, um, in you know in the shows, and I think that was something in his contract. Um, but almost all of the female characters, whether it was Witch Hazel, um, or Granny, that was June Foray. Hmm. I'd forgot that uh, I'd forgotten that she did the voice. I mean, you know, what is it? Two lines and like a little noise. Um, yeah. So. Don, the greatest cartoon ever. Are you talking about uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle? Because it is definitely um, very, very, very funny. Uh, and I think I think they're available on like Hulu or something. You can find those and watch them. They're, they're, those cartoons had such a great amount of like rapid-fire humor and silly humor um, that I think is worth watching. I remember they had a joke. They had a running gag in one cartoon where they kept bringing up the Civil War, and they had like some Southern person in it who wanted to call it the War Between the States. Yeah, and they had like a character in it that later on they named Swivel Hips, but the person wanted to call it War Between the States Hips. Like it's jokes like that that crack <laughs> me up because they're just so ridiculous. Uh, I think I have to borrow uh, Don's uh, D- Diddy Does Gibbs his DVDs. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I did not realize that June Foray was, uh, but yeah, it's four, there's four credits and the other, the other credit was Thurl Ravenscroft. Yeah. Just, just gotta, you have to say the whole name. The best yeah, name. of course. It's like a yeah. tribe called Quest. You say the whole thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have some trivia to share, uh, Travis, if you don't mind. Um, I so do not mind at all. I, I was recently in San Diego for vacation and I saw a couple Dr. Seuss art galleries. They were dedicated to Dr. Seuss's art and also uh, some Looney Tunes, which now I know is some of the stuff that Chuck Jones uh, worked on. But um, I was talking to one of the art directors there and they were kind of filling me in that Dr. Seuss, he lived most of his life in San Diego 
And the Dr. Grinch character is actually based off of uh, Dr. Seuss. He was getting upset about the commercialization of Christmas. And he was he was just kind of doing his morning things one morning. And he saw his reflection and he thought he looked a little curmudgeonly. And thus Grinch was born. And the whole thing of Grinch living on Grinch Mountain, that's how Dr. Seuss, he lived on Mount Soledad, which looked over La Jolla, San Diego. And so Whoville is La Jolla. And uh, yeah, some interesting trivia there. I love that. They they always say, write what you know. But and it's interesting to think that somebody who is so well known for writing children's books was thought of himself as a as an old curmudgeon. Yeah, yeah. Because he definitely uh, brought a lot of joy to a lot of kids. My, me, one hundred percent. Like I love Doctor Seuss books. I and and yeah. the specials. Like, and I know I read that he wasn't keen on animating any of his books, and Chuck Jones convinced him to do it. And boy, am I glad he did because without that, we wouldn't have had. And some of them were better than others. The Cat in the Hat I enjoyed. The Lorax I enjoyed. Um, Horton Hears a Who. Uh, all these animated ones from the 60s and 70s were great. Um, yeah. Some of the more recent adaptations, I haven't seen uh, the like the Lorax full-length movie. Um, it's, yeah, hard, it's hard for yeah. me to, to really... Because I did see the How the Grinch with, with Carrie. Um, I love that one. That one did a decent job with it. But again, you, you cast somebody like Jim Carrey, and then you put a bunch of makeup on him so he can't do his rubber face. Right, which is difficult, but he's he is bombastic enough that he can be, uh, he can portray a cartoon character. Um, yeah. They tried it uh, like a year or two later with Mike Myers as the Cat in the Hat, and I love Mike Myers, mm-hmm. but I did not enjoy that movie, and I, it was the tone wasn't right. Like they kind of got away with a little bit of skirting to adultish humor in the the Grinch movie um but they never like went too far with it and i felt like the cat in the hat kind of stepped over that line um okay the, you know there's nothing wrong with having uh humor that adults are going to find funny and kids are going to find funny and put them in the same movie and 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 tv show i mean there's a lot of stuff i love Phineas and yeah. Ferb and it's got jokes that you know my stepson just flew right over his head and i'm laughing at him but it was it was almost like the Cat in the Hat adaptation, that live-action one, had some, I don't want to say mean-spirited humor, but it wasn't quite that same type of humor. Um, it, didn't, it just didn't work as well. I, I did not hear good things about the Lorax or Horton Hears a Who, but I still kind of want to see them. I haven't seen those. Um, although I heard better about Horton than I did Lorax. But again, yeah. it, I, think, I think it's just that these don't need to be f- feature-length. Like, these stories are short. Yeah, yeah. And in order to make something an hour and a half long from a you know a kid's book that's what twenty five pages like you got to really stretch it out yeah if that and that's twenty five pages with in it with uh with artwork on all the pages so these right. I think work better in these kind of twenty minute at most twenty twenty five minute long uh, animated pieces um, yeah and and having Chuck Jones do it was just perfect um, he's he's a hard one to follow too because. He was so good and did it for so long. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with his kind of story, but there's a great documentary, and I'm going to look for it um, and see if I can find the name of it. But um, 
he got started in the animation industry at Warner Brothers. I think it was Warner Brothers as a cell cleaner uh, back when they would reuse the celluloid uh, cells. Um, doc. So that was his first job, and he ended up, I think, in the animation industry for like 60 years. Um, that was it, pretty cool. He stuck around. Chuck Jones, Extremes and Inbetweens is what it was called. Okay. Uh, it was from 2000. Okay. Yeah, it's it is phenomenal. It's a nice, uh, it's a great eighty five minutes long, um, and it's got great uh, interviews with with him, with Matt Groening, Steven Spielberg, Roger Ebert, John Lasseter, uh, Ron Howard, Lauren Michaels. I mean, th- you know, these were all people that were inspired by him or worked with him or or any of that. And it's Joe Dante, June Foray again, Robin Williams. Um, it's definitely one to check out. Okay. Wow, got some homework. Uh, if you're a fan of animation at all, like it's worth a check. Even if you're not, even if you just like documentaries about, uh, yeah. like you know, people, um, I think it's worth worth a watch. I remember watching it. It played on. I don't remember what network it was. Uh, right after it came out, because I, I remember watching it. It's not streaming anywhere, so. Oh. Uh, I wonder also, if uh, I heard about the. Netflix has those TV shows that made us or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe there's something there. There could be. And I, I will eventually uh, track down a DVD copy of that and have it add it to my collection. So if I ever do, you guys can borrow that. Awesome. Cool. Um, Next time I'll over at your house. All right. <laughs> um, look, it's my all-time favorite Christmas movie. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Watch it every year. Usually watch it more than once a year, but I definitely watch it within like five days of Christmas every year. Um, it's just what I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how I missed this. I think I think it's what you were saying, Travis, that it, it's kind of difficult to outdo or even think about bringing life again through an animated form, uh, something that was going to top Chuck Jones's style, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And and the song too is like so eponymous. Is that the right word? Yeah, sure. Eponymous. <laughs> and, uh, um, so yeah, somehow I think it's just like you know I just kind of knew about Grinch, and I never really had caught the the whole animated movie. But I'm glad I, I I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah, basically exactly what Rishi said. Um, but I am looking forward to hopefully an eventual uh, animated version of One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. I could go for that. I could go for one of those. Um, Maybe a live action. Him. I'm down for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, yeah. One more interesting thing I found was the, the song that they sing um, at the end of it, the Fahu Forze uh, or Forays okay. or whatever, the, the song that all the Who's sing. Uh, so Seuss wrote that to imitate classical Latin. And according to this trivia, um, after it aired, the studio received letters asking for a translation from people who spoke Latin or oh, really? were familiar <laughs> with Latin. So, um, and I think I mentioned, but Dr. Seuss wrote the lyrics for all the songs. So mm-hmm. huh. I, I never, I, I will be honest. I never thought that was anything other than just made up Seuss language. Yeah. Cause he yeah. was, he did that in everything. Like that was always something that he did. So. So they wanted to avoid like a lawsuit or something, so they needed a translation. I don't know. I, I think just people heard it and thought, "Oh, wow, that sounds like Latin. I wonder what that means." Hmm. Um, and Spartacus in the chat is saying Horton hears a Who is a decent movie. So 
I can uh, I trust his judgment. I will have. To, I, I'm going to watch that at some point. I want to watch the Lorax, even even though I don't hear great things about it. I just I love those stories. Yeah. So, Cat in the Hat was Mike Myers was like Austin Powers presents cats. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, is there a movie that's uh, just getting lambasted? It's cats. Yeah. I don't. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I've never seen. I've never seen it. I've never seen the musical uh, on yeah. stage or anything. So I have. I have no uh, no connection to that whatsoever, but I might go see it just to go see something. Yeah, so. never seen the, uh, Cats, but I always in uh, what's that movie with Jack Black? School of Rock. Mm-hmm. The oh, girl yeah. character uh, when she's trying out for the band, she starts singing "Memory." That's oh, my only yeah. exposure to Cats. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh. Well, I mean, I don't have a whole lot more I can really say other than to just keep talking about how much I like both of these movies, especially Grinch. So um, did either of you have any any other things you really wanted to kind of go over on, on either of these? I know, Rishi, you'd done some research and got some, some good trivia. Yeah, uh, pretty much the Dr. Seuss's connection to San Diego and, um, yeah, Chuck Jones being responsible for the look, that green look. Um but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm glad I glad I watched the movie, and the song is gonna be stuck in my head now forever. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yes, it will, and uh, you're a better person for it. Trust me. Um, yeah. It definitely, it just there's something about that song. Uh, for all, I mean, it's a it's such a negative song, right? It's just talking about all the bad things about him, but it's so fun. So, yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm really glad you guys got to see both of these. I, I had no idea that you hadn't seen either. So, um, that's sort of like, that's becoming my thing with this show is I, I really enjoy getting to expose somebody to something that I, especially if it's a movie that I really like for Mm -hmm. me, that's a really fun thing to show it to somebody else and to have them like it. I've only had one so far that I had seen before that I showed to people that they didn't like. So I think I've got a pretty good uh, batting average going on so far. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Travis. Yeah. This is. This is, this is good. I think of the two, I think Grinch is going to be something that I share that, that I think about rewatching. Uh, Mickey, I think is going to be if, with the child with my future child, I'm going to make them suffer through Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> that can work. That, that I think is probably a good way to go about it because I, I do think while I like Mickey's Christmas Carol, that is much more geared towards kids and kind of like, I watch it out of nostalgia more than anything, although I am going to show it to my nephew because uh, I don't think he's seen it yet. I'm not sure. Um, but Grinch, I can just watch over and over because I, it's just great. Chuck Jones animation, like, give me anything Chuck Jones. I don't care. He He's yeah. still the creator of one of the greatest pieces of animation I've ever seen, and that is The Rabbit of Seville. If you, oh, okay. Yeah. If you haven't seen that one, that is one of his finest works. It is the Barber of Seville, um, like, opera. But okay. with with Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. Yes. Oh. Oh. Okay. Is yeah. is that an episode of Looney Tunes? Or? It was a Looney Tunes uh, episode. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That one is just class. Is that the one where uh, Bugs Bunny is like rubbing uh, Elmer Fudd's uh, head? Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's that's so good. Oh man, those like, I could, I could watch Chuck Jones stuff all day. He, uh, there was a series of shorts that he did with Daffy and um, Porky 
where they were like send-ups of uh, different genres. Um, they had like a Western, and they had uh, them playing sort of Dragnet-style detectives, um, but in space. Like just all these crazy things that were just, they were so good. Um, and I can just watch them all day. So give me anything Chuck Jones, I'm, I'm happy. And you combine that with Dr. Seuss, which were, I had, I think I wore out Dr. Seuss books when I was a kid. So yeah, it was a perfect. I, I love Dr. Seuss. There's something yeah. about the, especially knowing a little bit now about Dr. Seuss himself being a curmudgeon or whatever. <laughs> I think there's something to the, inde- there's, there's something endearing about the crank, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, we, we love the crank. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A cranky old man writing kids' books. Gotta love it. Yeah. Um, so here is an opportunity. Rishi, I know you were part of um, America's Next Top Podcaster Season 1. Um, yeah. We all were uh, part of that. Tyler and I were on Season 2. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you have a show of your own, don't you? Uh, yeah. I have a podcast, Healthy Schmelty, a public health podcast that's trying to make conversations about healthcare topics a little bit more relatable. Oh, that's interesting. That's definitely something that uh, could use being more relatable. So, yeah, that's a good one. Um, where can people find that? Uh, yeah, at your podcatcher nearest you. And uh, I appreciate anyone uh, going out there and finding finding the podcast. And uh, you can also find it at rishib.com. Next episode is coming out tomorrow. Uh, why can't we just recycle everything? <laughs> Healthy schmelthy. Yep. Is that with a, a ch s c h s s c h m e l t h y? Yeah. Very nice. Thanks, Travis. Absolutely. And and Tyler, yeah. um, what have you got? You got going on? Yeah, I mean, other than America's Next Top Podcaster, uh, I've I've got my main show that I'm really proud of is the Discographers. Uh, basically, we take a we go album at a time, talking about a certain whatever band that me and my buddy Brian feel like talking about, and uh, you know, once a month we'll talk about a new album, or you know, an album from that from that artist, and just oh, work cool. our way through their entire disc- discography. Uh, if you can't spell the discographers because it's a made up word that I <laughs> made up, um, our the website is uh, club dot fail, and there's a few other what, shows that I'm involved with, but uh, you can find it there. So it's a pretty, pretty easy way to get to it. Who uh who are you going through the discography of right now? Right now, where we've kind of stalled a little bit, um, but uh, we we're in the middle of the Smashing Pumpkins. Ooh, right? good nice. one. Yeah. So in the middle of, so that would be like around Melancholy, or so are that, you past well, that? We're we're past Melancholy. We did we finished a door, and okay. um, it's uh, we're working our we, we we've recorded a uh, Machina one mm. uh, episode, and then we're gonna we need to do a. a we need to actually finish that episode and then put it out and then we'll start focusing on Machina 2. Very cool. I like moving album by album through uh, an artist. That's yeah, a cool and, way and, to do it. And, and we do it once a month and then we, so it gives us lots of time to, to just ruminate with the, with each album. Cause a lot of times you, you, you listen through it once and you go, Oh, well that wasn't great. But then like, but it takes like three or four listens to really get it. And uh, I've I've appreciated uh, Smashing Pumpkins so much more by just sit, forcing myself to sit down with them and listen to them in order, and just over and over again. Yeah, uh, over I the of the month, so, yeah love them. Uh, listen, uh, listen so much for Smashing Pumpkins uh, through high school, and I love Jimmy Chamberlain on drums. So 
that's that's cool. I'm glad that you're uh, you're going through their discography, and I had not listened to that show, so I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we did uh, we did ten episodes on Nine Inch Nails, and even if you're not, hopefully, if you're not a fan of Nine Inch Nails, at least listen to it. Uh, I give a little bit of a history s- a section of you know, of from you know the span between the albums, uh, catching you up like where the headspace of the artist is. And then my buddy breaks down everything musically. So he'll go through and it's kind of like a little music class. Oh, very and cool. Then, and then we sit down together and talk about each song. That's so. really cool. And that's yeah. an interesting discography to go through too. Yeah. I'm going to check that out. Well, I want to thank both of you guys for being on uh, this week. This was a lot of fun. This was a little bit shorter episode, but it was two short movies. And I mean, yeah, they're fun. good. Like what what can you say? There's there's not much to, to dive into. It's good stuff. Go watch it. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. You're a mean one. Yeah, I mean, you can <laughs> you can watch both of these movies and it's going to be less than an hour. Yeah. Like, that's that's great. So, uh, yeah, I want to thank both of you guys for coming on this week. It was a ton of fun. Rishi, it was nice having yep. you on. Thanks, Travis. We'll definitely, uh, definitely have you back sometime, Tyler. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, thank you. Anytime. And uh, what I like to say at the end of the show all the time is uh, get out and enjoy your movies. So go ahead and do that. Himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast.